You know, trust is an important thing, and we are we are so blessed here at Living Hope that we have trusted global impact partners uh, throughout the nation, uh, throughout this state, and throughout the world. At the end of the service today, we're going to commission a team headed to Eastern Kentucky and another team headed to East Asia, and and that's because we have trusted partners who understand who we are. These are partners. Many of them are members of our church or former members of our church, so they know what kind of church we are. They know we're a disciple-making church, that we live hopeful to be helpful to lead more people to anchor their life and hope in Jesus as we have. And we know what our partners, we understand their heart, we understand their mission. They they want to make disciples. And so we're able to, to come alongside of them and the, the gift for Christ makes that possible. So be praying about your gift, be praying about uh, our responsibility as a church to, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and throughout our city and this state and, and ask God to use you to be a part of what he's doing there. We're, we're able to do this though because of a trust. And that trust exists not only with our partners, but with our God. We're able to trust God because we know his heart and we get his mission. We know that that our God has a heart for the brokenhearted. And we know that that our God, his mission is to heal those broken hearts. We we see the mission and the heart of God revealed in Jesus Christ. You'll remember in the Gospel of Luke that, that when Jesus began his ministry, first thing he did was baptize, so he made public profession of the reality of who he was, that he was the Son of God. Then he went into the desert, and then he went back home to Nazareth. And while he was there, he, he made clear who he was and what he was supposed to do. He went and he, he was asked that he was able to read Scripture. And after he read the Scripture that spoke of his identity, he, he said something spectacular. Look what he said. This is in Luke 4, 21. Look what Jesus said. Today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus said, I am the one that this Scripture was about. I am the one who is the Messiah. I am the anointed one. That's what Jesus was saying. Now, what was he saying that about? Look at this. This is Isaiah 61. This is the scripture that he read. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison uh, to those who are bound. This is what Jesus has come to do. He's come to reveal who God is. His heart and his mission. His heart is to heal the brokenhearted. And he does that with the gospel. And for those who will repent and believe and trust in who Jesus said he is, we are free. We are liberated to pursue and recover God's design. Now, we understand that the world is broken. Listen, don't we don't walk into this place today with, with rose-tinted glasses saying, oh, everything's okay, everything's great. I'm excited about this election. I, I just can't wait to, to cast my vote. I, you know, we get that, right? We understand this is a broken world. Why is it broken? Because of sin. We know God's design. God's design was harmony. It was perfection. It was great. We blew it. We blew it. Sin has entered the world, and so is broken. That's why we have broken hearts. That's why we have broken lives, broken relationships, broken things. But here's the good news, and that's what the word gospel means. Jesus said, I have come to proclaim good news. He is the good news. And the good news is this, that God has not abandoned us. He has forgiven us of our sin through the the atoning work of Jesus Christ, who is now alive. And now, if we'll give up, that is, repent of trying to make a life on our own or trust in any created thing to provide for us, and instead believe in the gospel, believe in Jesus, we can pursue and recover God's design. We can be free. We can experience 
freedom. And because, because of this, we have hope. Remember, Jesus said, I have come. This is the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus came, he brought a new day. And this new day provides for us access to God. And this access to God only is experienced through faith. We can trust God. He, he, is our, he is the motivation of our trust. We can trust Him and we can have faith in Him and we can know that that faith will be rewarded. And our scripture for today shows us why. Shows us why we can have that trust. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 50. This month we're going to be in, in these uh, latter chapters in Isaiah, so go ahead and get your Bible used to going to Isaiah, and you may want to go ahead and begin to read ahead. Today we're in Isaiah 50, next week we'll be in Isaiah 51, and uh, Aaron Curry is going to read for us. So Aaron, why don't you come up, and as she does, let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. She's not going to read the whole chapter, but Lord willing, I'm going to uh, uh, teach from it. She's going to read for us the section where Messiah, the Anointed One, is speaking, uh, beginning in verse 4. So, Aaron, if you would read that for us. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Aaron. If you guys would, go ahead and be seated. Look, this chapter, like all the chapters we're going to study in Isaiah, have to be understood in light of the entire story. You've got to understand the entirety of what the Bible is communicating to really understand what this prophecy is about. And, and again, this is a prophetic word. This points to the coming Messiah. There are almost 300 prophecies like this that Jesus Christ fulfilled. That's one of the reasons we, why we know that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. It's because of these prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus prove that this word is true. And to understand this word rightly, we have to understand the, the, the context uh, of which it is found within the canon, that is, within the Bible itself. Because we know the Bible is not a collection of sayings or stories. That The Bible is a single story with four parts. Creation that tells us how God designed it. The fall, which explains what went wrong. The rescue, which actually began... In the day when we, when our race, when humanity sinned, and God provided a covering, which I hope to be able to show you in just a moment, until the day in which Jesus Christ returns at the restoration. Where we are in Isaiah, though, we're in the time of the rescue. We're in the time when God is revealing the promise. It's a promise that's being made. God is promising, I will send Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ. Jesus the Christ will come. And that's the promise that has been kept in Jesus Christ. What we're looking at today, though, we're looking at the promise that was made. This is a prophecy that tells us about who God is and, and who Jesus has been revealed as God and why that matters to us. This chapter speaks to, to the people of God who were at the time in Babylonian captivity. God is talking to them about who the Messiah is and what it is the Messiah will do. 
And what will he do? He will reward those who have faith. God rewards those who have faith. Remember Hebrews 11, 6? And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. In order to please God, we must live by faith. And to live by faith, you've got to do two things. First, you've got to believe that he exists. And then secondly, that he rewards those who believe. Now, believing that he exists is not hard. As a matter of fact, you have to work hard not to believe that God exists. But it is possible. There are many who are, uh, who are unrighteous, who suppress the truth. Paul, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, spoke of this in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Those who are unrighteous, those who, who are in sin, suppress the truth of the reality of God. God has revealed himself generally in creation, specifically in Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And in order to deny the existence of God, you have to suppress that truth. For us to be rewarded, in order for us to live by faith, we have to believe that he exists and then that he rewards. And, and that reward is significant. Uh, there's two parts to the reward of God. First Peter uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 8, says, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him, you believe in Him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. Right now, you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, what is to come, the salvation of your souls. The reward of God is, is two parts. It's now joy that is inexpressible, joy that, that is that is divinely powered, and then salvation of your soul for all of eternity in heaven. The, the reward of God is now and then. There, there are two powerful parts to it. And, and it comes to us because we have faith, but not just faith in general. It's not just a faith that says, yes, I believe in a God. I believe that there's something. No, no, no. It's a, it's a faith that, is, that understands the general revelation of, of God, but believes the specific special revelation of Jesus Christ. The object of our faith that is rewarded is faith in Jesus. The faith has to be placed in the proper place or it does not work. That may be why some of you guys keep crashing. That may be why things keep kind of falling off the road. Is because when you put your faith in the wrong object, you always wreck this past week, I did a lot of driving. Uh, my family, we had all, all, we had all three kids with us, which is so unusual for a few days. And we were able, we were able to go, and, and we were driving. And I did all the driving, and they didn't help at all. That's the way I like it. I be in control. I'm working on it. it's an issue, but nonetheless, you know what? They they have faith in me. You know what? They actually would sleep when I would drive. Asher offered to drive. We said no. They didn't trust him. And you know what? I, I, I jokingly, you know, thought about, you know, and I do this sometimes when people say things about my driving. Well, hey, why not just go get this guy? Maybe he can do better. Just some stranger. I'll just put him in, and let's just see how he can do. They don't seem to ever want to do that. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know why. And maybe because they have sense. It makes no sense to put someone in the driver's seat of your life that you do not know loves you, cares about you, and has a plan for you. 
And that's exactly what some of you are doing. You've put something or someone in the driver's, driver's seat of your life that does not know you, does not have a plan for you, does not love you, and has not provided for you. There's only one who's done that, and that is Jesus Christ. He loves you eternally. He knows you perfectly. You can trust Him without any doubt because He cares for you. And when He is in the driver's seat of your life and you live by faith in Him, there is a great reward. It is joy in life. It's heaven and death. And God wants us to have faith in Him. And friends, we have every reason to. We can know for certain that our faith will be rewarded by Him. And our text shows us why. Four things I want you to see in our text today. Take note. First is this. Faith will be rewarded because God is a dedicated God. Our God is dedicated to this. When His people were unfaithful, they suffered the consequences. But God did not abandon His covenant people. Look what it says in verse 1. Where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? Or, or which of my creditors is to whom I have sold you? It's a rhetorical question. It didn't happen. That's not what he did with Judah. It is what he did with Israel. He goes on to say, uh, Behold your iniquities, you were sold, and for your transgressions, your mother was sent away. So, God did send away and disavow and disconnect eternally from Israel. The Syrians came in and wiped them out because they were not faithful to God. They were not God's covenant people. And so they, they did not walk by faith. They did not trust in God. And because God's covenant was not based on them or with them, they were removed. And they, are no, they were no longer a part of God's plan. But for those who were in the line of David, for those who were faithful to God, the covenant promise of God, he, he was faithful to them. He was dedicated to him. Look what it says in verse 2. Why when I came was there no man? Why when I called was there no one to answer? He said, look, I'm dedicated to this. Why weren't you trusting in me? Why weren't you looking for me? I think God is asking some of that of some of us today. Why are you looking in other places for answers to your life when God has revealed the answers already in Jesus Christ? Why aren't you responding in faith to what Christ has called you to why aren't you looking? God says this to the, the, the people of covenant. Again, we don't have time to go through this, but these, these Judites, these Jews, they were a part of God's covenant plan through the Davidic line. God promised Abraham that he would bless the world through him. He then told David that that eternal blessing would come through the Davidic line. Uh, go back and study this later. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. This is a promise that was given to David. And so this Davidic line was through the line of Judah. And so, yes, they, they, were, they were held responsible for their actions, and they were exiled into Babylon. But God said, I did not divorce you. I have not given up on you. God says, I am dedicated to keeping my covenant. As a matter of fact, you can go back and read the covenant that he made with Abraham in Genesis. There's a point when he actually said, as a matter of fact, if I don't keep this covenant, I'll quit being God. God is so dedicated to keeping the covenant promises He's made with His people that He said, I will cease to be who I am, which is impossible, by the way, if I do not keep this promise. God is that dedicated to blessing His people who live by faith. And we need to, we need to understand that He has the power to do this. Again, He continues in the latter part of verse 2. Uh, Behold, by my rebuke I dry up the sea. 
I make the rivers a desert. Their fish stink for lack of water, die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. God says, I got this power. I can do it. You gotta trust me. You gotta trust in my power. You know this this storm on the East Coast that's just so unbelievably powerful. You know it's nothing to God. That's not even a full sneeze, right? It's, it's, it's kind of to God. He's that powerful. He closed the night. He, he he can do anything with his power. And this this power is seeking to reward those who have faith. He's dedicated to this. So, friends, I want to say something to you. You can always trust God, no matter what you've done. Look, I, I know the excuses I make on myself. Oh well, I, I've blown it here. My attitude, my actions. I, I guess I can't ask God for His blessing, friend. God's God's blessing is dependent upon His dedication, not ours. And if we will trust His power, trust in His love. And that the fact that He is a promise-keeping God, we can we can live with confidence, not because we're so good, but because He is. And we can know that He is dedicated to rewarding the faith of those who believe for His glory and our blessing. And, and we can pursue that. We can know that, understand that. Faith will be rewarded. Second, faith will be rewarded because God is a gracious God. God's grace demanded the suffering servant submit his life as an atoning sacrifice. Jesus didn't die for us because we were so worth it. Jesus died for us because God chose to love us and be gracious to us. God is so dedicated to his purpose to have a people to the praise of the glory of his great name that Christ came dedicated himself to the cause of God that we might be saved. And we are saved not because we are worthy, but because of his grace. The suffering servant served the cause of Christ because the Lord God is gracious. Look at how the Lord God is described here. In verse 4, he's described as a scholar. In verse 5, as the holy one. In verse 6, as the confident man. He is a scholar. Verse 4, the Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning, he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. Jesus knew. He knows the plan of God. He, he was walking in light and in line with the will of God. He knew God's plan. He is the ultimate scholar of God's will. Beyond that, he is the Holy One. Look at verse 5. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. Jesus never sinned. He was always faithful. He knew the plan of God. He was a scholar of it, but he was a holy one who lived a holy life. And he was man. He was God in flesh, and he was confident. Look at his confidence in verse 6. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Jesus said, I'm, I am Messiah, and I will take it. I will purchase the grace necessary to redeem God's people for his glory. He was a scholar, the Holy One, a confident man who presented himself for the purpose of God. 
He suffered for us. His grace does not come cheap. The life we gain, this new life, this rebirth, comes at a great sacrifice. You know, I was at the medical center the other day, and there was some chimes that went off. And if you've ever been to the medical center, you hear those chimes, what that means is the baby was just born. And it just made me smile thinking about, you know, that precious baby that's sitting there and just how sweet that is. But then for just a second, I caught a glimpse in my mind's eye of a poor mother who's just laid over there like, it's great, it's great, great. <laughs> yeah, it's just wore out from the whole thing. What happened was from her suffering came life. And so it is with us. Through his great suffering comes our life. Not because we earn it, not because we deserve it, but because of his grace. I was, I was listening uh, to some teaching on Richard Sibbs this week. I was reminded something Richard Sibbs was real famous as a Puritan writer. is real famous for saying this. He said, there's more grace in God than there is sin in us. Isn't that good news? Friends, there is sin in us. Do not deceive yourself and do not suppress the truth of that reality. But, but allow it to cause you to pursue the gracious one, Jesus Christ, realizing there's more grace in him than there is sin in us, and that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence because we come in the name of Jesus, this one who is dedicated, this one who is gracious. The third thing to give, faithful will be rewarded because God is a mighty God. See, nothing can stop him. Nothing and no one could stop Jesus. There was a telling moment in the ministry of Jesus when he had determined that it was time. Look what it says in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. He is, uh, he's, he's ready. He knows this time. It says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He set his face. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. And even his buddy, the rock, Peter, couldn't deter him. He knew why he had come. He was serious about it. And he was the mighty God who was going to accomplish it. Nothing could stop him. Listen, the evil one had worked for millennia to try and stop him. He tried to kill the Israelites when they were in, in Egypt by killing all the babies. He tried to, to kill all the Jews in the day of Esther by, by having them, the, the, the genocide, just wipe them out. didn't work. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, tried to, to kill all the male babies two years of age and younger, couldn't stop him. Nothing can stop our God. Nothing can stop Jesus. His, his plan is right. This, this servant was, was right about what he said in, in verse 7 and 9. Look what it says. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I, I have set my face like a flint. Remember what Jesus said? He said he set his face. It's what this, this is what is fulfilling. He set his face knowing, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is here. Who will contend to me? He's talking trash now. I love this. Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who would declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Isn't that awesome? Talking to death, talking to evil. He's just calling them out. Because he knows who he is. He is the dedicated God who is gracious and mighty. And God didn't abandon him. God's plan was, yes, to allow the wrath of God to be poured out on him. But, but God's will was that he would raise him up. 
and to give him the name that is above every name. Look at this in Philippians chapter 2, this part of the canonical hymn. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is no name like the name of Jesus. It is in His name and by His might, because of His dedication and His grace to us, that we can live by faith and know that that faith will be rewarded last. Faith will be rewarded because God is a just God. He is just. And friends, we have to make, we have to make one of two choices. And, and please understand, everybody in this room is making one of two choices. Either you're choosing to trust in yourself and what you can do, or you're choosing to trust in Jesus and what he's done and what he is doing. You can be like Adam and Eve after the fall, or you can miss out. See, after the fall, Adam and Eve, they, they realized what had happened. They realized their sin. And so they tried to figure it out on their own. They tried to make things right. Look at what it says in Genesis 3, 7. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves to, together and made themselves loincloths. They knew they had broken it. They knew brokenness and the end of the world, so they were trying to cover it up. They're trying to make it right. I know that's what some of you are doing with your life today. You're trying to fix what you broke. You can't. You can't. But God can. He has come to heal the brokenhearted. God comes to, to make whole what was once broken, to give life there was where, where there was once death. And Adam and Eve, in this condition, they were, they were broken. They were trying to figure it out, and it wasn't enough. And so look what, look what happened, though. Look at 14 verses. Look at verse 21. Well, look what the Lord did. Look what the Lord does. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Look what happened. There was a blood sacrifice to pay for their sin. And then they were clothed. Their shame was clothed. This is a picture of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, whose blood was shed to pay for our sin, who now clothes us in His righteousness by faith. So friends, here's the deal. You can choose to live on your fig leaves. you will look ridiculous and you will make things worse. Or you can trust in the grace and the mercy and the dedication and the power of God. Look what he says here. Look how he describes this whole exchange. God calls us to trust him. So look what it says in verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his voice of, of, of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. What's he saying? Don't try to figure out this on your own. Give your life to Christ and then obey him and live by his light and he will bless your way. What's the alternative? Verse 11. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. And this is what you'll have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. What's he saying? Either trust Christ with your life, or you're going to have to figure out your own light, your own life. It won't be enough. And what will God do? What will his, be his just response to you? He says clearly, you will lie down in torment. That means that in your life, 
You will not have joy and peace. You will have constant turmoil and chaos and conflict. And then you will die. And the just demand of God will sentence you to eternal torment. Friends, let me ask you. How are you living? Some of you this morning, you're anxious. Some of you are angry. Some of you are afraid. Some of you are a mixture of all three. Anxious, angry, and afraid. And you want to know why? Because you're not trusting in Jesus. Your hope is always temporary. You have hope as long as you can buy something new. As, as long as you can have a good hair day. I wouldn't know anything about that. As long as you can have a few friends and a few fun things to do. It's temporary, though. You know, sooner or later, the high is going to go away. Sooner or later, it's not going to—it's not going to be this way. And so, you—you you, you know this, and so you don't have a, a good, a living hope. You have a temporary hope. You got this anger. You got this anxiety. You've got—you've got all this fear, and, and you don't—you don't have the confidence that everything's going to work out okay. And you shouldn't have that confidence because it probably won't. Because it depends on you. And as long as you're depending on you, you're never sure that everything's going to work out okay. Because it's in your hands. Your finite, broken, dirty hands. But look what Christ has offered us. He said, look, I will reward your faith. I will give you joy now. Not anger. Not anxiety. Not fear. Joy. Why will you have joy? Because his hope never ends. It's a living hope. No matter what you go through, you always have hope. And here's why. Because you know God is going to work all things for good. You know it's going to work out. Because you trust him. Because he is dedicated. Because he is gracious. Because he is mighty. And because he is just. Friends, stop trusting yourself and start trusting God right now. By faith in Christ for what he has done. Stop living with this anxiety. It's gonna. It's it's just gonna make you even more miserable. It's torment. Stop. Trust Christ. Give your life to Christ. You're welcome to come and pray. You're welcome to come and do that right now. Let's stand together as we pray. And we're gonna sing about what God has done for us and His goodness. And you're welcome to do that at the time. Lord, we thank you. We don't deserve this. You could have easily just left us abandoned with our fig leaves and all of our shame. But instead, you've come to give this light, this Messiah, this anointed one, Jesus, the Christ. We can trust in you. And we can have faith. And you will reward that faith. So, Lord, I pray for any today who needs to, to say, Lord God, I give this to you. I, I, I'm tired of living on my own. I'm tired of this, having one train wreck, car wreck, life wreck after another. I just... I just want your joy, and I want your life, and I want it to depend on your power. Lord God, hear the prayers of those who, who want that today, and bless them. We ask this in the powerful name of Christ our Lord. Amen.